Welcome to the Harry Potter Virgin, where three Potterheads guide a Wizarding World Virgin on their first journey from platform nine and three quarters. On this show, our resident muggle Rob will share his experience of reading the original Harry Potter series for the first time in his 30-something years. He'll be helped along the way by three veterans of the Potterverse. This is Series 3, Episode 9, Cat, Rat and Rob. Today, we're covering Chapters 17, 18 and 19 of Book 3, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. They are Cat, Rat and Dog, Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs, and the Servant of Lord Voldemort. Before Rob joins us, let me bring in my co-host to set the scene. Welcome, Millers. Hello. And Phil. Albus, Percival, Wilfric, Brian, Dumbledore. What a man. How's everyone doing? Any housekeeping? Well, I was looking on Amazon the other day because I was looking for like anything else that J.K. Rowling had written because every time I read something that's not written by her, it's a bit flat. Mm. Someone has written like a fan fiction novel, The Life and Lies of Albus Dumbledore. Have they? I know. I was thinking about buying it. I wish she'd write it. I have a bit of housekeeping. It's to say thank you dear listeners, for the amount of Alpost and Muggle Mail that we've received. Thank you so much for getting it all in. Okay, so 17, 18 and 19 of Azkaban are iconic. Millers, you first, what did you think? These are like the reason why this is such a good book. Like this is just, and this is like a, it was a game changer reading this. Because I'm not going to get my hopes up, I am a little bit concerned about Rob. I think that Rob might be annoyed by how you know how serious instead of saying just saying straight away like this is the truth like, yeah I didn't why didn't it. you like, just come out with says, it oh yeah. i did kill your parents like instead of yeah. being like okay. you, know, you know so i and obviously that's done so that it's this it's they get led it along more. and it's like this really yeah. amazing reveal but i don't know whether that might annoy rob a little bit there is absolutely no way we are going to get through the climax of this book with Rob understanding what's going on all the time. Yeah, that's a worry, isn't it? It's way more complicated than book one or book two. Phil, what did you think of these three chapters reading back? Like they, they're, they're pivotal. They're absolutely massive. So if his mind isn't blown, he's got serious issues. He's got serious issues. He's got serious issues. And those issues, his issues, are my issues. I can't take them on right now. This is what I'm <laughs> saying, what I mean? Phil, is that... They are our issues, so I'm prepping myself because... No, don't. He's going to love... He is going. Well, I think not... Don't tell me the inventor of Flubby Beans is going to let me down now. <laughs> we'll bring that up with Rob. No, I think it just... It is key in understanding that this is all bigger than we thought it was. That's what happens in, in these chapters, isn't it? You realise... It does. You're part of something bigger than whatever you thought it was before that. And that just absolutely blows your mind at first. It does. And yeah, I don't expect him to feel like he's had his world turned upside down, but I, <laughs> but I, but I am hopeful that he will appreciate the, the quality of the twist and the shock of the reveals that come in these chapters. I know he'll have some grumbles about how it's all just like exposition. I think if he's reading fiction at all, he's a very show don't tell person and I usually like that as well, but there are some things that do just need to be laid out. Yeah. And and this is, you know, the events of these chapters really fall under that. Shall we? Let's just get him in. Bring him in. Oh my God, just get him in. I can't wait any longer. Let's bring him in. 
Hello, Rob. All right, nerds. How is everyone doing? <laughs> yeah, doing well, mate. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, not too bad. I have something I want to say to Rob. Phil now has like a little bit more respect for you. Right. Um, obviously, it's still quite, I think it's still quite low on sure. the scale of like general people. Uh, no, I did. I wouldn't say I respected you much as a creative, but that's changed in the last 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Do you want to tell him why? Because um, we told Phil that you're the inventor of Flubby Beans. Uh. <laughs> you know, you know, you know. You might have just lost you know, it. Oh, respect. no, that's right. He doesn't call them that. Rob, you know how beans require a matte finish? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, matte beans. Yeah, matte, well, he, matte you call them matte beans, but when I introduced them to Millers and Phil when we lived together, uh, they they took on the name Flubby Beans. Any reason for that? or just <laughs> uh, Because it's like they've been flubbed. Flub them. Flub them up. Yeah, they've been like flubbed. Mm, yeah, you're saying the word flubbed, but... <laughs> It's already got meaning, is it? I forgot Rob called them Matt Beans. Yeah, Matt Beans. Matt Beans. 100%. I mean, they are Matt. For for the listeners, um, can you explain what Matt Beans slash Flubby Beans are and how a listener might go about recreating them in their own time? Yeah, absolutely. So you you, your average Heinz baked beans, you put put them on the lowest heat in a saucepan and leave them for as long as you can manage until your pan is fucking ruined and beyond beyond any kind of cleaning uh, until there's until yeah a little little bit of stirring here and there until there's not a hint of gloss on your beans you don't want any kind of sheen totally agree <laughs> a bit a bit like the old mexican refried beans you know where they refried beans yeah matt yeah I do love yeah. fried beans and I do like flubby beans but my favorite way to consume baked beans is to open the tin and then to spoon, no, to spoon <laughs> off just the sauce, Vile. cold. Vile. That is oh. disgusting. <laughs> Was she just having the sauce? Yeah, she's yeah, disgusting. just the seen her, I've seen her do it. I've seen her do it. Guys. I did it with your flubby beans tonight. It's absolutely disgusting. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's helping the. I'm not going to. Um, the flubby bean process because there's there's less yeah, there's exactly. less juice to uh, sort of boil off basically. To flub down. Yeah. Yeah, but if anything, that that, that can reduce the flavour. <laughs> Definitely. You want it flubbed with flavour. Mm. You're listening to the Baked Bean podcast. When Heinz listen to this, they're going to realise that we are, we can make them money. <laughs> they should give us a code and we can be like, oh, guys, if you want to try some flubby beans slash mat beans this week, exactly. go on the Heinz website, use code Flub. Potter Virgin. Yeah. Potter Flub. <laughs> Flub. Bled me now. <laughs> yeah, and, that's um, a good point, actually. Get 20% of your beans. Right. Come on, Phil, you said you had some news about the Apple rings. Oh, yeah. So long story short, obviously, at the moment, I'm not in a position where I can, like, really eat and enjoy apple pie slash apple crumble, which is my favourite thing. So I bought some dried apple rings, which I showed you last week. I had this, this two weeks where I had the Sainsbury's one, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. Right, okay. So basically, they're not great for me either because they're full of natural sugars, but whatever. Basically, long story short, Turned out I had cleaned out the dried apple rings in Sainsbury's and in the local Holland and Barrett's. I was like, when you're expecting more in, they were like, you're the only one who buys them. So I just like got to one morning. I thought I can't, I can't cope with this because this is the one thing I've got 
other than this podcast, like I need something else to focus on, whatever. So went on the Holland and Barrett website and like kind of accidentally bought 28 packs. <laughs> Because I wanted to get like the maximum discount. <laughs> so I've got loads now. And James was like, why have we spent £40 in Holland and Barrett? So I was like, oh, James just don't even. I, I said, oh, it's vitamins I need. He was like, all oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I've had some muggle mail for you, Rob, from Maz, who is a kingy. What is Maz? Maz is a... Maz is a... A long-time friend of the show. Yes, she is. She sent me over something that she wants to know if you've tried, which I'll send you a picture of. It's called Salted Date Peanut Butter. Oh, Ooh, hello. That sounds good, yeah. Oh, I yeah. I've got, I've got date and so, walnut, and I've got salted peanut, but I haven't got date and peanut. I have got one more piece of muggle mail for Rob before we do the hot takes. And it is just to go back to a question from last week, which I edited out. This is a question from Lauren, long-time friend of the show, who says, Rob, who was your favourite fictional character as a child? And who is your favourite fictional character now? And why did slash do you like them? And she said it can be from TV shows, films, or any book or whatever, because she knows you're not a huge reader of fiction. Yeah. So you've had two weeks to think about it. So what's your answer? <laughs> yeah, so it's it's I've, I've mulled over it for a long time because I started thinking about what fiction did I read as or like you know consume as a kid and it's pretty limited. But one thing I did I did consume heavily is the film Homeward Bound. Oh, that's of a great film. Did. Classic. Did. I don't know Homeward Bound. Miller's is making a very confused face. Oh my god. Yeah, two two dogs and a cat. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Oh. My favourite character was Chance from Homeward Bound. That is a terrific answer. I can feel a special coming along here because I feel like Sky could get into Homeward it's, Bound. It's an absolute classic. And, you know, he's he's kind of brave, he's fun-loving, he's high energy. Yeah, he's not the leader of the pack, no, is he? No, no, no. No, he's more of like the rogue. Yeah. So they're all animals. They're all animals, yeah. Millers is Googling it. Chances, chances, yes, they do talk. Chances, this lad. I've got serious issues now with the sort of animal abuse that would have gone into making it. But at the time, there was there was that was the the sort of one film that I re rewatched loads of times as a kid. Well, I can tell you now that I think Lauren is is going to love that answer because we were all big fans of Homeward Bound. It's a great movie uh, as kids. What about currently though? Yeah, so so I was thinking about this. It's from my favourite film, which is uh, Dead Man's Shoes, and there's a main character called Richard in it which is my favourite character, but that's quite bleak. So on a lighter note, because I've started reading fiction recently, there's a book called Boy Swallows Universe, which I read recently. And there's the main character in it. It's called Eli Bell. And it's this little Australian kid. Yeah, that's my favourite character. Because he's, again, really brave, but like completely kind of um, normal and relatable. Like Harry Potter. It sounds exactly like Harry Potter. Yeah, he's a le- bit less of a whiner, bit less, bit less sort of grumpy. Everyone read Boy Swallows Universe. Yeah. It's fiction. It's fiction. Right. Is it sad? Obviously, yeah, I like it. We are moving on. We are moving on. No, I'm not reading It's that. miserable. I'm dragging this podcast into the first feature <laughs> after 40 minutes. <laughs> right. Rob, I want takes but not ratings. Okay. 
Okay, so let's have a hot take for chapter 17, cat, rat, and dog. Worst chapter name so far. Let's get that out of the way. Okay. okay What's a fine. fucking waste of time. Yeah. It, it was good, but very sort of kidsy. Okay, oh, that's fine. Like no, no, let's move on. Hot, okay. hot take. Chapter 18, Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. Brief. I mean, like I can see why you've you've sort of done these three as one because they they basically just feel like kind of one chapter. Um, yeah, but yeah, scene, yeah, yeah, this one's brief, decent, keeps it moving along. They come as a package, I think. Okay, fine. And the last one, chapter nineteen, the servant of Lord Voldemort. Another, another more twists, more twists, lots of reveals, lots of information, all the threads coming together. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the pace of it. Okay, that's fine. Those are nice and hot. Phil, let's take us through Cat, Rat and Dog, Chapter 17. Cool. So Cat, Rat, Rat and Dog, for the, for the benefit of the tape, I think is a great chapter name. One of my favourites. So it starts where they hear the axe. Obviously, that's devastating because... Oh, yeah. Um, I've forgotten about that. I just heard Beaky's head leaving his body, which is <laughs> devastating. Scabbers is out of control. Yeah. He bites Ron does a runner basically Crookshanks is slinking towards them what happens next rob a dog a dog appears a black dog and yeah. basically just sort of hooks ron by the leg and, and drags him off yeah that's exactly what happens down towards the roots of the whomping willows we hear a crack and ron's leg is broken that's horrendous that it? makes you feel a bit yeah. sick i know it's bad yeah. it is bad the tree is hitting harry and hermione and Crookshanks kind of uh, winds through, presses a knot on the tree, and the tree is still. Um, and at this point, Harry kind of reveals to Hermione what's been playing on his mind, which is that Crookshanks and the dog are, are mates, and Crookshanks is kind of part of this. Yeah. So they crawl down the earthy slope following Crookshanks, and it leads to a room. Now, I want to know, what is this room like? Where are they? And what was going through your head right now, Rob? They're in this kind of bleak room with like all the wallpaper peeling off and stuff, and it's all sort of derelict. And I can't remember who just says, "Oh, we're in the we're in the shrieking sh." sh yeah, I think Hermione figures it out because she asks. I think she says, "Oh, where does is this on the Marauders map?" Mm. And Harry says, "Yeah, but the trail just goes off, so it must come out somewhere in Hogsmeade." Yeah. And I think she's the one that says, "I think we're because of the boarded up windows." She says, "I think we're in the shrieking yeah, chat." She's got it nailed. Like what is going through your head? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the these chapters are like obviously they're kind of written and therefore read at a pace. So you're just kind of like scanning on, yeah, moving through it really quickly. So yeah, I didn't I wasn't really kind of stopping to think what was going on. Just wanted to find out what was going on next. I was reading it quickly for me. Oh, okay, lovely. That's good. That yeah. sounds good. He's, good. he's he's reading it quickly. Yeah, Come he's on, in. Then. He's in it. Okay, so they head upstairs and they find Ron. And what does Ron? reveal at that point what do we find out at this point rob the first big reveal is he's an animagus animagus yeah Brilliant. Uh, and the dog is turns out is is serious black absolutely oh my gosh all along mind blown mind blown black disarms them immediately so Harry basically kind of goes straight at him, doesn't he? He says, um, you murdered my parents, you did this. What do you think of Harry's approach? Because he's got no wand. We know that 
that black is incredibly powerful as a wizard. Yeah, it's all kicking off. So, like, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fair enough. I think it's just where there's, like, the emotions boiled over all reason. And I think it says mm-hmm. at one point, like, he forgot he was, like, a little 13-year-old streak of piss. Yeah. He just he just goes at him. Yeah, so um, um, when Harry says, he killed my parents, do you remember what Black's response is at this point? Yeah, he says, like, a kind of, yeah, I did, in a way. Something. He says I don't. He says I don't deny it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so it still feels. Yeah. Like that's what he did. Bit bit sort of more cryptic than it needs to be. Really, I would have clarified it fully there. <laughs> well, we thought Miller's thought you'd have that criticism, yeah. but he's been like he's. I'd imagine by this point he's mentally ill. Do you know what I mean? Not thinking. It's a fucking shampoo by the sounds of it. Well, he does, well, yes, he does, and he doesn't have shampoo. And I think if you go for two, three years without shampoo, maybe you do become mentally ill. I think you'd be fine, Phil. I mean, I'd definitely be fine, but... Sponsored never. by Imperial Leather. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what does Crookshanks do? Oh, so Crookshanks uh, gets in amongst it, starts trying to, like, get the wand off Harry. Yeah, because Harry grabs he, the wand off Black, doesn't he? Just Black's in shock a little bit and he grabs the wand yeah. off Black. Yeah, and then he goes and sits on Black's chest. Yeah. What's interesting then is Sirius's response because he almost doesn't want Crickshanks getting involved, does he? Yeah, he's like, oh, get off. Get yeah. off my chest. Then they hear footsteps. Who is it? It's Lupin arriving. Lupin. Aha! Here he is, and he immediately uses Expelliarmus to get the ones off the children again, so he has them. What is said at this point, and what is going through your mind? So he turns up, and it turns out he's a fucking werewolf, just out of nowhere. You know. That's... Um, out of nowhere? I mean, there have been nowhere. multiple clues, but yeah. What's his name? Yeah, yeah okay. Like, there are All so right. many clues. I'm not saying you should have got it, but... We'll come back to that later. We can't say that it's out of nowhere. You can't say it's out of nowhere, but let's carry on. It is out of nowhere. Well, Rob, it's out of nowhere by design. Yeah, but you you stitch everything back, and obviously there are... Multiple. Yeah, Rob, that's how fiction generally works. Hermione got it. <laughs> Hermione got it. So Rob, shared information we didn't have. So Rob, you wanted to have all the information on everything and all the answers from the very beginning. Yes. That's how you <laughs> yeah, would like. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. It was a surprise. Good. Should be a surprise. The kids are relieved that Lupin's arrived, but then they see mm. him help up Sirius. And embrace mm. him like a brother. And then Hermione goes, don't trust him. You've been helping him all along. He's a werewolf. Yeah, it's fucking cap, caps, caps lock all oh, over these chapters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they don't know what to believe. No, well, none know. of us do at this point, do we? Yeah, I was confused. I was like, there's, there's too much going on here. There's too much information. Too many people are not what they seem. Mm. Not you know. too much, though. An exciting amount. Mm. If you you have yeah if you're yeah okay so and um really calmly Lupin <clears throat> turns to Hermione and says um how long have you known she says she's known for ages and mm. he says things like did you check the the lunar chart and notice I was always away at the full moon she's like yeah yeah of course I did <laughs> he's like um did you notice that my boggart turned into a moon she was like yeah and the rest <laughs> like I sorry but moments like this I love Hermione and I love the fact that she found it all out and then she just didn't blab no 
Like, I, I just, I think she's, I just think she's amazing. And why she didn't, why didn't she tell anyone though? I, I reckon point? for two reasons. I reckon when she felt like she knew in confidence and she didn't want to judge. And I think just out of respect. Well, I thought she, you know, she likes Harry and Ron. Harry, just a word of warning. The fellow you're going for tea with on the reg, he's a wolf. Well, they weren't, well, so they weren't really talking. They were all fighting. But he, Harry was never going to see him on the full moon. Yeah, because mm. you forget, she checked the lunar charts, Rob, which you didn't do. At the end of the day, I think I'm right in saying that she has seen Snape bring Lupin a potion around oh, the time. Yeah. She's probably smart enough to figure out that that might be how it's being controlled. And she's certainly smart enough to figure out that there's no way Albus Dumbledore doesn't know. Absolutely, yeah. No, And because Ron immediately says, yeah, like... Ron immediately says, doesn't he? Wait till the we wait till they find out about if this at the school. And Ron's like, but they already know. So I think you're exactly right, Kingy, in that Hermione will have known that obviously Dumbledore knows, and she trusts him to have made the right call. Basically, Lupin wants to have a big conversation, wants Harry to understand everything. He gives Harry, Ron, and Hermione all of the ones so that they're armed and him and Sirius aren't. And he explains that this all started with the map with Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. That's how he knew where they were, essentially. And that when he saw them being taken tonight by Sirius, he noticed somebody else with Ron. Who is that other person? So at this point, I was I was convinced that the the rat was going to be Voldemort. Voldemort, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it turns out it's, it's Peter Pettigrew is the rat. Correct. Scabbers is Peter Pettigrew. That is correct. Done. 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 I mean, at this point, you know, all bets are off. Tell me about the who's, it. Who's who's what? Yeah, man. I mean, that's pretty mind. That's pretty mind blowing, isn't it? You're buzzing, though, right? The character that we've known from the from the from the beginning. Yeah, from that from that first train ride. As just harmless little scabbers, he's Pettigrew, who we thought was dead, by the way. <laughs> so, you, know, you know. So we're on to the next chapter now, which is Mooney, Wormtail, Pavit, and Prongs. Lupin explains to the kids that this all started with him becoming a werewolf. He got the bite when he was a child, and in those days there wasn't much that could be done. But then, obviously, Albus Dumbledore became headmaster, and he wanted to make some tweaks so that Lupin could come to school. So he came to school that same year the Wampum Willow was planted. That was somewhere for Lupin to go, but at that point they didn't have the Wolfsbane potion. So what did that mean? He just had to go and sort of tucker himself out when he became a wolf. And he would become a, a fully fledged werewolf, so he would lose his mind. Whereas now they have the wolf station, he can keep his mind when he transforms. Does that make sense? Yeah, so he could keep some memory of what was going on. He can become a werewolf in his office, and he's not a danger to anyone. He just changes, he transforms physically, but he doesn't transform mentally. Yeah. Mm. So um, something wonderful happened when he came to school. His best friends that he made a Hogwarts realised that he was a werewolf like Hermione and they decided to do something that would make his time as a werewolf better and they became an Imagi. 
you had Sirius and James were the brightest children in the school, so they managed to accomplish it. And it was in their fifth year, wasn't it? It took years of study. Mm-hmm. Um, and they helped Peter Pettigrew, who was not nowhere near as clever. And obviously, we've learned that Peter Pettigrew turns into a rat that has become known as Scabbers the Rat. They're like this crew kind of rolling around like fucking Power Rangers. Yeah, like they turning are. Turning into their special animals. And what else did they make, Rob? What was what was Lupin watching tonight? When they were rolling around, exploring and learning and finding. Oh yeah, they make the map. Yeah. So these four we thought were just some sort of pranksters, like the sort of Fred and George predecessors. Yeah. But they're actually yeah, it's these four. Yeah. Yeah. What's going through your damn head, man? I totally get the point of you're reading quite quickly because the pace is fast and there's new revelations like every page. But can you? For the benefit of the listeners and for us as well, try to sort of channel what you were thinking at all during this middle chapter. Yeah, well, I was thinking firstly, like, how is it helping him being a werewolf to just have a couple of other animals around? They could control him better as as animals. Yeah, and there's this thing about, like, he's not going after them because they're not human Mm. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Is that because that's what werewolves do? Mm -hmm. But you've got a werewolf, a massive black dog, and a rat. It feels like a little bit. And James Potter, James Potter's animal, as yet ident- identified. Yeah, which is got to be the cat, surely. Surely. Potentially. Surely to goodness. Cat on the chest. What, so you think James Potter isn't dead either? Well, we'll see, won't we? It's Crookshanks. We'll see. We we'll shall see. Because there's that bit about how, when I was at school, James always used to sit on Sirius's chest. <laughs> <laughs> It's obviously like it meant they could run around and have fun, so he wasn't just like on his own. This is the most important thing about going to school, which is messing around. No, no, I could see them like bounding along the dog, the werewolf, and there's the rat just like unable to keep up. (laughs) (laughs) It reminded me of you know, this is a bleak story, but. I couldn't ride a bike until I was quite old. So (laughs) all the other kids around would, like my older brother and stuff, would ride around on the bikes and I'd just run after them. And I could never keep up, sure. Rob, how old? (laughs) 25. I don't know. (gasps) Too late. We've never talked about this. I missed out on adventures. I've known him for 20 plus years. Never talked about this. Are we talking primary school or secondary school when you learned to ride a bike? Year seven-ish. I've learned through fear two things. First was swimming, because I couldn't swim till late. And then we had like swimming lessons at the end of primary school when we were like 10 or 11. And so I had to learn quickly before they happened. And then the same with the cycling proficiency test. I was like, I can't go into school and just not know how to cycle a bike. So yeah, it would have been end of primary school, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so let's not get too lost because there is a lot going on here. Yeah. We've got lots to cover. So basically, Hermione says, well, weren't you worried that you might have given your friends the, the slip when you were out on your adventures, when you were a werewolf? And he says, oh, it's a thought that still haunts me now. And he says, oh, and I haven't changed because he spent all he spent all year believing, obviously, that Black was the Potter's secret keeper and that it might be the fact that Black is an unregistered animagus as to how he's managed to defeat detection until now. So he says, in a way, Snape's been right about me all along. Black says, what Snape got to do with it? And um, Lupin explains that Snape's here. He's a teacher at, at the castle. 
and he explains what did happen, I guess from maybe a less um, prejudiced point of view, the night that James saved Sirius's life. And it kind of falls somewhere between what we Snape's first thought. Sorry, what did I say? Sirius's. Sorry. Do you want to explain that? Like how that happened, uh, Rob? Yeah, so they basically were just playing a prank on Snape. Well, it was Sirius playing a prank, wasn't it? Right, so they, they were going to try and get him, telling him to poke the willow or something. Poke the Whomping Willow. Sirius basically knew that Snape was on to mm. them. And instead of, you know, just not giving him the information that he would need to bump into Lupin when he transformed, he gave him that information. And obviously when James realised that this had happened, he was obviously very concerned for Snape because that could have ended really badly. So we learn quite a lot about James's character and Sirius's character in this moment, don't we? Yeah. Before we learn any more... What happens? Snape turns up. This, this is an absolute kind of revolving door of, of characters arriving in the it's in literally the this is this is your life, isn't it? Yeah, I was expecting Dumbledore to pop up next or someone, you know. A few paragraphs earlier, the the door sort of creaks and moves wow. on its own and everyone looks. Mm. But there's nothing there. And then there's the comment about it being haunted. And yeah. Lupin says this place was never haunted. It was it was me when I used to come and transform. Severus Snape walks in, pulling off the invisibility cloak, his wand pointing directly at Lupin. He's he's lost his he's lost his fucking rocker, Snape. He is capitals all over the place. Yeah. He's on one, isn't <laughs> okay. he? So let's march straight on into chapter 19 then, um, The Servant of Lord Voldemort. Yeah, Snape immediately reveals that he found Harry's invisibility cloak by the Whomping Willow, and that's how he snuck into the room without them noticing, and he's obviously been listening to what they've been saying, though he hasn't heard it all, importantly. Yeah. Rob, how did he even know to be down by the Whomping Willow? How did he know? Don't know. That's okay. He was bringing Lupin his Wolfsbane potion. Oh, yeah, and he finds the map on his desk. Yeah, he thinks because of Snape's prior knowledge of where that leads, because of what Sirius told him with that prank, oh, Lupin's going down that passageway, he's helping Sirius Black. So Snape magically binds Lupin before Lupin can explain anything, dismisses Harry and Hermione's requests Mm. that that he at least listened to, to Lupin. Snape basically insists everyone return to the castle so he can bring Black and Lupin to justice. And he seems to be really enjoying this moment of power. He's got this sort of manic look about him. And what does Harry do here? Uh, yeah, so so Snape's just kind of, yeah, like you say, he's going a bit manic. He's talking about giving him a little kiss. Mm. And Harry just loses his beans and starts calling him pathetic. Says, like, you, you just because they made a fool of you at school, you've, you've lost your head. Yeah. Yeah, they basically, they take him down. Yeah, so it all escalates. Harry goes to disarm Snape with Expelliarmus and Ron and Hermione just sort of instinctively do it all at the same time. And this sort of triple attack basically just like powerbombs Snape yeah. uh, against against the wall and he's, and he's knocked out. Harry still has this moment of like not being sure whether he's done the right thing there. And they're still kind of halfway through this story that Lupin's been telling them. So Ron protests that even if Peter Pettigrew assumed a rat's form, why would it be Scabbers? You know, in particular, how is Black so short? Because Lupin says he's seen him on the map, but Black's story is that he's come all this way to find him. Mm. What does Black say to that? Do you remember? He's seen his picture in the newspaper from when they were in Egypt. That's right. Because someone, the ministry 
fella came mm-hmm. to visit him in prison Fudge, yeah. and left the paper and he saw the rat and somehow was able to see that that was the same rat that was Pettigrew. All the ties coming together. Yeah. Is it in the Three Broomsticks where Fudge says that he went to mm-hmm. see Black in Azkaban yeah. and he seemed strangely normal and he asked for my paper? Black says he recognises Scabbers from the, the picture in the um, in the paper. Uh, just because he remembers what he looked like. I mean, from his transformation, ooh. and also from his missing, and also yeah. from his missing front, yeah, finger. But like, I mean, without getting into the weeds, like, I mean, on. can you tell a rat from another rat in the, in a newspaper? I think you could if it's your best friend. In the resolution of a newspaper image, how many pixels is that rat? I mean, Rob, it's Rob, not a muggle picture. It will be moving around. It's a magic photograph, mate. We know these things oh, move. Of course. They, you think it changes resolution, presumably, though? Because presumably of higher res. Image-wise, there's about 13 of the family plus the rat. Black says that he realised that the, the picture of the rat looked like Pettigrew to him as a rat, but also his finger was missing. And Black basically claims that Pettigrew, in their big showdown that they had just after the Potters had died, loudly accused Black of betraying uh, Lillian James Potter, blew up the street behind him, killing all of those muggles, and then in the chaos, cut his own finger off, transformed into a rat, and scuttled off into the sewers. So that's kind of how it's explained to us, you know, this kind of mistaken identity of who killed all those muggles um, occurred. What does Lupin sort of point out to Ron as sort of further evidence that Scabbers maybe isn't a normal rat, which has also been raised earlier in the book? Yeah, because Ron is saying every, basically everything you're saying, apart from the picture resolution. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, like, you know, he says the rat hasn't aged and he's been around for yeah. ages and he's still, like, still alive. That's absolutely right. And Lupin also observes that Scabbers is looking unwell and Ron claims that it's caused by stress because of Crookshanks mm. going after him all the time. But what does Harry sort of internally think at this point? Isn't it like it kind of marries up with when Black was on the loose? That's yeah. why he was nervous. Yeah, Harry basically thinks that, no, it can't be Crookshanks because Scabbers was already looking ill in Diagon Alley before mm. Hermione even bought Crookshanks. Mm. So what do we next learn about the role that Crookshanks has played at this point? Yeah, Crookshanks has like helped out, basically by um, trying to get the rat. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that annoying subplot, one of those threads is tying back in. So Black says that Crookshanks basically saw Pettigrew for what he was straight away. And Crookshanks, though he was unable to catch Scabbers and bring him directly to Sirius, stole Neville's password list Mm. for Black. And he later informed Black that Scabbers had injured himself, leaving blood all over Ron's bed and Scarpered. So Neville's um, innocent, by the way. Yes. Let's not skip over that. Yes. Yeah, I know. Bless him. Yeah, Neville is innocent. Still shouldn't have written them down, though, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Black comments that, again, you know, Pettigrew, as Scabbers, was trying to basically repeat his, you know, fake your death and escape. Yeah, fake your death and disappear move. Classic Pettigrew. However, despite all this, Harry's still unconvinced. And he says that Pettigrew, even if he was alive, must simply have been hiding from Black 
out of fear because it was Pettigrew who had exposed Black as Voldemort's spy to everyone. But Lupin sort of interjects, and do you remember what he spells out at this point? He says it kind of very plainly. Mm. Yeah, Lupin basically spells out for Harry that the narrative that is generally accepted that Black betrayed Harry's parents and that Pettigrew tracked him down and then they had that big confrontation is in fact the opposite of the truth, that it was Pettigrew who betrayed Harry's parents and Black tracked him down only for Pettigrew to escape, framing Black in the process. Oh, my God. I've just, I've only just really appreciated um, now that there is a lot to take in. So much to take in. Yeah. Well, so basically, yeah, scabbers. Is, is not, there's not more now than there was. I 10, know, but I can't. Re- yeah, we but I know. There. You're right. It's not unreasonable. It's great, but like, it's a lot, isn't it? Rob, um, are you confused yet? Yeah, I was a bit. I was a bit. Are you glad Harry kept his eyes open this time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was helpful <laughs> to get the full picture of what was going on. Well, should we just get a bit more of like Rob's thoughts? I'm imagining you had a lot of thoughts, did you, Rob? I was kind of agreeing with Sirius Black right, when yeah. he just kept being like, come on, can we fucking hurry this up? Let's get on with it. Get the full story out. And it was annoying me that the rat wasn't Voldemort as well. Okay. So Harry angrily rejects this um, truth from Lupin and tells him that Black himself has already admitted yeah. to killing Lily and James. <laughs> so what does black same response to that um he says like i kind of it was kind of my fault because i didn't stop it it's more specifically more specific see if you can reach for it he allowed them to use pettigrew as a decoy Yes, so Lily and James were in hiding, so they had a secret keeper to keep their location like secret. Mm. They wanted to; they were going to use Sirius, but Sirius thought that Pettigrew. Sirius basically thought everyone would think it was me, so you should use Pettigrew instead. Mm. Feels like not a knowing plan. that Pettigrew was a spy. I mean, also, why would you like? He was obviously really. Pathetic. Yeah, let's give it to the weakest guy because no one will expect it. But if they do, then it'll crack like a nut. Well, exactly. Lupin steps in at this point and calls a halt to the debate. He demands scabbers from Ron and he and Black cast a spell on the rat. And what happens to the rat? So, yeah, it, it transforms back into Pettigrew and they prove their point. It's right. It is him. Description of Pettigrew? He's just sort of weedy and rat-like. And Do you know what he looks small. like to me? You know, he looks like Rob's Boggart. <laughs> sort of like balding and plump. Balding and, and chubby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ratty. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Pettigrew greets Lupin and Sirius as his old friends. But Lupin cuts the crap and says he wants an explanation about the night James and Lily died. What does Peter say to this? Uh, doesn't he, he, he tries to like peddle the, the sort of accepted myth or the accepted like storyline of what happened. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, straight and away. And he's all like, oh, Black's obviously learned dark magic from Voldemort. That's how we broke out of Azkaban. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he's kind of appealing to Lupin, isn't he? And really pleading with him. Black laughs at the idea that Pettigrew is hiding from him because that's what he says, isn't he? He said, "I'm uh, I'm hiding as a rat because yeah. I'm hiding from Sirius." He came to kill me. He's come to kill me again. Yeah, yeah. help me, Remus. All this. Pleading. It all makes sense. Um, and but Black laughs at this idea, and. Who does Black think that Pettigrew is really hiding? Uh, he's hiding from Voldemort's crew because he like he messed it up, and he yeah, I don't know why he messed it up. Why did he mess it up? Well, what happened? Pettigrew told Voldemort to where to go to find Harry. Yeah, didn't he? And then what happened when Voldemort went there? Oh, well, that's not Peter's fault, is it? Just because if but no one knows what happened, you're right, it's yeah. not Peter's fault, but no one knows what happened. No one knows about like so, the um, like the mum sacrifice protection that yeah. Harry has. No, no one knows about any of that. All they know is that Pettigrew was a, a double agent, you know, a member of the other side, supposedly on our side, feeding us information. And one of the bits of information that he gave us leads to. The downfall of yeah. everything they're working towards. A complete catastrophe. Mm. So from their perspective, it must just seem like, okay, he was actually, do you call it a triple agent? <laughs> no, that's a dub- that, isn't that a double agent? <laughs> I don't know. But basically, from their, from their perspective, it looks like Pettigrew was on the other side. Yeah, because he was a spy. Yeah. That's not a double agent. He was a spy. And now he's a double, it, they thought he was a double agent. Okay. A spy for like both sides. So, I love spies. Let's <laughs> carry on though. Um, <laughs> let's carry on though. Do you think there are any spy podcasts? Shh, shh, shh. Okay. Um, so, Lupin asked Pettigrew why else an innocent man would stay hidden for 12 years. And what does Pettigrew say? Oh, it's because he, he was scared, which, you know, feels legit legit reason and then there's this chat about like why Scabbers hasn't done anything because he's been sleeping in Harry's bed and he hasn't killed him Hermione asks a question uh, to Lupin and she basically says like you know if Pettigrew has been working for Lord Voldemort all along why hasn't he used his proximity to Harry to do Harry any harm and Pettigrew sort of seizes on it triumphantly straight away and, and claims that as like proof that he's not in league with Voldemort because he hasn't done anything to Harry. And yeah, Millers is right. Black's counter is that Pettigrew hasn't harmed Harry because as far as Pettigrew knows, Voldemort's like nowhere. You know, Pettigrew wasn't going to do something for Voldemort unless he knew that Voldemort would would be able to protect him. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so Pettigrew, all, uh, sorry, Black also points out that Pettigrew obviously chose a wizard family to take him in because it would be easier to hear any news of Lord Voldemort getting stronger. And I, the kind of accusation is that, oh, he, he'd put himself in a prime position, being in Hogwarts, being close to Harry, that if he did get a rumour of Voldemort coming back, he could potentially deliver Harry to Lord Voldemort and all would be forgiven. Hermione then turns to Sirius and has a direct question for him. What does she ask him? Yeah, so she asks him how, how he got out of Azkaban. Um, yeah. What does he say? 
Just because he was a dog. Just turned into a dog. <laughs> it says a bit And it turns that, out, but... by the way, fucking revelation of the chapter, the fellas who've been sent to guard, guard the school are fucking blind. They can't even see these oh, lads. Oh, yeah. Did we not know that before? No. Yeah, no, they're blind. They can't see. They sense, like, they sense off emotion. Yeah, but yeah. surely the, the, the one feature you want of a guard is <laughs> a pair of beady eyes. Noggle one between them. Uh, Unbelievable. Well, so, yeah, he just becomes th- a dog and, like, sort of slicks about between the bars, gets gets thin as a dog, and yeah. they can't track him because he's a, a dog, um, not a yeah. human, so they can't sense him. Yeah. yeah, their emotions are not as heightened or not as strong Properly. or not as developed. So have one guard at least you can see. That. Sort of um, <laughs> janitor or something you can see. <laughs> guys, 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 well, guys, guys, everyone, everyone up. He's turned into a dog. He's there. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we've talked about, maybe in the deep dive, the issue with trying to imprison extremely powerful wizards, and I'm not sure you know this yet, Rob, but wizards are actually capable of doing magic without their wands. Mm, okay. So the partly, you know, the reason why the kind of, uh, you know, incarceration system in the wizarding world, we believe, is is done by dementors. Um, well, it's for, partly for political reasons, but also because it just it wouldn't really be that useful to have a bunch of guards with batons and handcuffs mm. in a wizarding prison, because, you know, what, what match to that is uh, very powerful magic. Mm. So it's more of a psychological imprisonment that they go for of like ultimate demoralization so that the people can't actually act upon their magical power as opposed to, you know, having a a beady set of eyes and some watchtowers. But it it is a fair point. Anyway. Black looks Harry in the eye and basically begs him to believe him. And then what does Harry do? I'm really sorry. I've just realised that I hadn't actually finished the chapter. <laughs> oh my god! Are you serious? Oh my god! Where Rob, have you got, how much have you got left? Got? How much have you got just left? Like a few pages. I don't know how. I must have got distracted. Right. What's the last thing you read? <laughs> um. Uh. He's at Hogwarts. So I got to that bit. He looked okay. at Harry. Yeah, he came read to watch it. Him. Read it live. Came to watch. Read him it live Quidditch. on air. Read it live on air. Okay. Read the whole thing out. What the whole thing out? There's a lot of there's pages yeah. to go. Read, read, read the whole oh, thing out. Stop. All right. Read the whole thing out. <laughs> Here we go. It's a live reading. Been living in the forest, Quidditch. Uh... No, no, no! Don't skim read it. Okay. Read the whole thing. This is your first and only time to read the conclusion of this chapter. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. Read it all out. <laughs> read it all out now. Believe me, I never betrayed James and Lily. I would have died before I betrayed them. And at long last, Harry believed them. Through too tight to speak. Led the way out of the room. His bottle brush tail held jauntily high. Well, I think it's safe to say Fry's gig is pretty secure. Oh, well done, Rob. That was. That was great. I mean, I can't believe you didn't finish the chapter, but fine. 
<laughs> I can't believe that. That's poor. Sorry. I was just flicking forward to the end and I was just like... I, I mean, that's all right. That's basically, we don't really have to cover the rest of the walkthrough that we were going to do. Wait, wait, wait. We, no, can't we can't put that we out. We cannot put that out. Yeah, we're going to put that out. No. Yeah, no, we can't put that out. We're going to fast forward it. No, we can't put that okay, out. Okay, okay. We'll we fade it out. No, no, no. We'll, we'll fade it out and then we'll fade it back up just as he finishes. So Black, having explained how he escapes, he looks Harry in the eye, he begs him to believe him, and, and Harry does finally believe that he's innocent. Lupin mm. and Black have one quick final important exchange it's important because it does explain like another objection that Pettigrew has. Oh yeah, they forgive each other. Exactly. And they're like, you know, sorry, I forgot you thought you were the spy. Yeah. Pettigrew says like, if Sirius had changed the plan, as he's claiming, and made me secret keeper, why wouldn't he have told you? And Lupin says, well, I assume Sirius thought I was the spy then. And mm. Black says, yeah, I did. Sorry. And yeah, they forgive one another. Pettigrew's pleas for mercy from... You know, he pleads to Ron, Hermione and Harry each in turn. And, you know, he's ignored every time. And what does Pettigrew ultimately admit under pressure from Black? So, yeah, he does admit it was him. That's right. And he basically just said he was forced into it by uh, Voldemort. That's right. Yeah. And Black says that he should have died for his friends rather than betray them, basically, as they would have done for him. Yeah. Do you think that you would die for your friends? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Phil, big time. Phil, if someone killed me and Kingy, would you then go after them and like hunt them down and kill them? Yeah, I'm quite like um, a bullish with stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely, the thing is, is I don't know if this is selfless or selfish, but if I was in a situation where it was like, you're either going to die or these other people are going to die, I'd be like, just kill me because I won't be able to live with the guilt. Yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's the guilt that would yeah. kill me. That will kill you anyway, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. I just feel like, oh, do if, you know what? Oh, yeah. Like, if, if someone killed me and then, like, everyone was still friends with them, obviously I wouldn't know if dead, but I would be, oh, like, furious. pissed off. Yeah, absolutely furious. So, anyway, having finally sort of fully admitted that, yes, it was him, he was the spy, this is why he did it, he was scared, blah, blah, blah. Black and Lupin prepare to basically execute Pettigrew. What does Harry do right at the right when it's about to happen? Yeah, he steps in, doesn't he? Saves saves the day. Why? Stops, stops him being executed. Why does he do that? Because he says he doesn't want... James wouldn't want his mates to, to turn into killers. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, arguably consigning him to the worst fate of the, the Dementor's kiss. So. Yeah. yeah, it's a win-win. Well, he doesn't do it to say... Yeah, you're right, because he doesn't do yeah. it to save Peter. Like, he wants horrible things to happen to Peter, really. But he doesn't mm. want Sirius and Lupin to have to do it. So Black accepts yeah. that Harry ultimately should be the, should be the one that decides Pettigrew's fate. Harry decides that he needs to be turned over the Dementors. He deserves to go to Azkaban. So yeah. Lupin binds Pettigrew and splints Ron's leg. Black warns Pettigrew that if he transforms, he's going to kill him. What do they do with Snape's unconscious body still just lying out cold? There's a horrible, horrible turn of events where they turn him into a sort of dead puppet. Yeah. yeah. This is like a dead puppet spell. Well, you you pronounced which, it brilliantly. Mm. Mobily corpus. Absolutely perfect. The sort of for moving dead bodies around, <laughs> which is pretty bleak. So, yeah, the, the Lupin basically charms him to float, you know, unconsciously beside them. So with Crookshanks leading the way, they leave the room, returning to the tunnel on the way back to Hogwarts. Oh, a lot's gone on. A lot has gone on. 
Rob. The whole plot has just turned on its head. Yeah. Sirius Black's a good guy. He's been this dog all along. Lupin was friends with him at school, like to much more of an extent than we were previously aware. You can't have an evil dog. No, you can't have an evil dog. You can't dog. have an evil rat. Yeah. Well, he's a rat, isn't he? Literally a rat. A the rat. clues were there all along. Yeah, like, a, like the weasels. It turns out Ron's pet Scabbers has been Peter Pettigrew, the supposedly dead school friend of Harry's father all along. And yeah, I mean, that's a lot. And the Dementors are blind. <laughs> yeah, and the Dementors are blind. Yeah, true. Rob, we have three chapters left. What's happening? Well, it feels like these are going to be, you know, the end of the movie sort of summary chapters where everyone's just like getting back to what they're doing. There's probably going to be a feast, I imagine. Yeah. Um, you get the hang of this. Maybe gets a new gets a new pet. Let's start with. Okay. Let, do ratings let, let's now. do ratings, Muggle Mail, then chapter names, yeah. and then we'll let him go. So, Rob, okay. the ratings for. Cat, rat, and dog, where they are dragged into the shrieking shack and encounter Sirius. Mm, I'm gonna say seven. Fine. Okay. Mm. Rating for Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs, in which Lupin lays out his history as a werewolf, explains why he thinks Peter Pettigrew is Scabbers, and then Snape turns up. Six. Six. And what is the wrong servant- with you? What? And the servant of Lord Voldemort. They didn't read. In which (laughs) (laughs) you only just finished reading. There is, you know, a a great big debate slash conversation about whether Sirius and Lupin can be believed. Pettigrew is ultimately revealed, and Pettigrew ultimately admits to it all. It's a strong eight. Yeah, it had to be. Let's be clear. I mean, it's not an eight, it's fucking ten, mate. The thing is, though, even if it started as a six, you hadn't finished it, so you've got to add some on. Rob, I've got some muggle mail that actually directly um, concerns your ratings. (laughs) This Mm. is from new real fan. Shut up. Katie, she got in touch on Instagram. Hi, Katie. How are Katie? Thanks so much for listening. She Legend. sent in. Nerd. She's been all over the post. She sent some muggle mail with all the stamps and she sent our post. Oh, brilliant. Um, so she said, I'd love you to ask Rob if he has decided that a three-point scale is more effective than a ten-point scale, <laughs> as the only ever it seems to rate between five and seven. <laughs> no, we've had this complaint before. I always laugh yeah. when he gives a seven-point-five or any half point, given he has he already has a fairly large scale. <laughs> maybe he Such needs. A good point. Maybe he needs to re-baseline what a good <laughs> or poor chapter is in terms of the rating or just be brave enough to say it, it's actually worth an eight she did obviously send this before the previous yeah because you gave an eight last week to the uh, uh, yeah i mean it's a valid point it is it, valid point, it's just yeah. funny because you've made the point before about using the whole spectrum and but then you just never you do. just you just use like five to seven and a half yeah question well, muggle yeah. mail question from longtime friend of the show hcb Hot Crossy. <laughs> Rob, what would you pick for your Animagus? I mean, come on. Obvi- we all know. Yeah. What breed? Yeah, what breed, what breed then? Breed. What breed? 
just a big old sort of mastiff or something. Perfect. Big old bull mastiff. There was some muggle mail from Lindsay Mennington, but it was basically just criticising Rob for thinking that watching a film is the same as <laughs> reading a book. Yes. Yeah, James and the Giant Peach. Just going back to these chapters, Belter. these mug- chapters, muggle mail. So I did have one from long friend of the show, Kate. Rob, she said, outside of this book, are slash were you familiar with the name Sirius? And it's meaning. No. So. No. It's the dog star. Uh, okay. So he's called Black Dog, basically. Uh, so I knew about, like, obviously, you know, Remus and Lupin. Yes. That was her follow-up. And she said, and also, did Remus and Lupin not raise any questions or thoughts either? Obviously, now they're a bit more obvious. I had I had no sort of reference or suspicion that he was going to be a wolf. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. his name is, but no, like, there's, there's no. Nobody does. There's no suggestion that that that's, until, that's a possibility. Not until you're looking for it, which is why you then, yeah. Once you've read them all the books, what you want to do is go back and reread them all because you just can appreciate and love them on a completely new level. Also, what you'll probably be doing now is checking all the names. So, Rob and and anyone. So, if we were students. Um, would we stick to divination or would we have walked out on it like Hermione did? Absolutely give up. I wouldn't have even taken it in the first place. Rob? Yeah, I'd stick with it. I'd hang it, hang in there. You'd stick with it? Just in case it's, you know... I mean, you, I've suspended belief already that the fact I'm here and doing all the other stuff, so why wouldn't this be right as well? Phil? Uh, I'd quit. quit. Would I quit? I'd quit after Fish. I'd, I'd quit stick. when she quits. No, because... I wouldn't have taken it. Do you know what? I wouldn't want anything on my like sheet that I was worried I wouldn't wasn't going to get like absolutely ace. And I just think there's no science to divination. It doesn't. I drop it. I I don't want some sort of like yeah. you bringing me down. Especially I don't when want she's a doing, like extra anyway. I had another piece of muggle mail which was about the exams um, from a couple of weeks ago. Does anybody have any sort of favourite memorable best exam celebrations? Like the end of exam celebration. I never had exams where, like, I finished my exams at the same time as other people. We had a great one in first year before you two were born. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, like, a really sunny day out the front in... It was out the back in St. Gennard, so spend the whole day mm. watching the train track, music blaring out the windows. Yeah, All the big names. names were there. Maz, long-time friends of the show, Verity, Tabitha... Loved a new man. Sorry, you were watching a train track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our halls looked onto um like a really skanky train track. But it was a really hot day, so we were sunbathing. Both of those questions came from long time mm. friend of the show, Rosie King. So oh, Millers, right. what are the names of the chapters? You know, we're thinking just gonna be the nice uh, warm, cuddly wrap-up chapters. What do we have? Chapter twenty, the Dementors Kiss. Hmm. Okay. Thoughts on that? Predictions? Well, it's presumably going to be um, Pettigrew. Mm-hmm. Pettigrew getting there. Mm-hmm. Getting a little smooch. And chapter 21, Hermione's Secret. Uh, so this is a time time travelling, sort of doing all the lessons at once thread. Mm-hmm. It's going to come, come out. Nice. That's and that's it, it isn't it? That's Just it. two chapters this week, Rob. Do you think you're going to manage to read them to the end? Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm really going to try this time, guys. <laughs> I am. I'm trying not to get distracted. Okay, well, Rob, 
Thank you so much. A lot of people listening to this, Rob, will have been hotly anticipating these chapters because they are considered to be truly iconic and and truly a gear change in the series as a whole. Did you get that? I know you gave a six to the middle one, but it was very short. But did you get that sense? Yeah, they 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 come they come thick and fast, right? I mean, and there's a lot of it's like a sort of French plat of of weaving together all the different storylines. Yeah, and I think there's a lot more, that becomes a lot more complicated, which I think is a bit of a step change in terms of, like, it's, it feels like it's aimed at mm. older kids. The common refrain is that it really opens up the world and the universe, and suddenly what happened, like, 15, 20 years ago is kind of more of importance, as opposed to in the first couple of books where you're just within the halls of Hogwarts. Yeah. So I think a lot of people will be pleased that that you've given them relatively good ratings. All right. See you later, nerds. Enjoy your deep dive. Bye. 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 He's gone. Wow. That was intense. Thoughts, please, Philippa. Yeah, it was that was super intense. Um, said it before, and I'll say it again. For someone that has a career in law, I didn't expect him to not to not realise he hadn't finished a chapter. Like I am worried about his attention to detail. (laughs) He's gone from inventing being the inventor of flubby beans to just just when you think he's not going to top why has he got his eyes closed he forgets to finish the chapter yeah it is incredible that every time we get to the climax of a book (laughs) there's just something else not that it's even the major climax but this is the thing is that i know obviously there are so many twists in the chapter three chapters we've just gone through and now you feel like, oh, it's all resolved. All the ties, you know, everything's tied together. Yeah. But, but obviously it's not going to be three chapters of Roundup. And he knows, obviously, he knows what Hermione's secret is going to be. But he has no idea. Like, he thinks Pettigrew's getting kissed. He doesn't know that... What a loser. Like, within, within two minutes, real time within the book, it's all going to fall apart. Yeah. Like, it's all going to descend into chaos again. This is another way in which this is kind of a game changer. It changes how you read the books because the first yeah. two have been quite linear and they are, do read as children's books and the climax is so quick in the first two books that there's no time for all this. You don't, you don't have this climax and then have three chapters left. So after this, as you're reading them, you're, you never believe anything. You're always second guessing because you've been kind of now taught that it's not going to be that simple. Tell me about it. We have so much fantastic outposts this week, but there were just a few quick deep divey things that I wanted to bring up. Everything is tied up so neatly, like with the questions that Ron, Hermione, Lupin, even Pettigrew are asking. Yeah. There's always a good answer for it. And even as an adult, I felt like all the questions were adequately answered. Except for one element of the whole backstory, which is the arrangements that were made for Lupin at school. Okay. Which obviously covers the existence of the Whomping Willow and the Shrieking Shack. I mean, what do you think about this idea that the Shrieking Shack is built for Lupin? I found that was the one of the only parts of the whole backstory and explanation that snagged. I do get what you mean, because you imagine it's a house that's been there for a hundred years and is derelict. Yeah, that's why people are scared of it. Yeah, but I wonder if it's like, is it built on like a graveyard or, I don't know, it has to be something like that, but I know what you mean. It would feel better if they said, the Whomping Willow, this tunnel were built for my 
my purpose and this house renovated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I just think, is it like in a world where houses can go up instantly and in a world where ghouls and ghosts and poltergeists and things like that do exist, is it as weird? Yeah. The only kind of explanation that I could sort of run around the houses with in my mind and accept was Lupin does mention that Dumbledore plays up the idea. Maybe the yeah. excuse for the house was that like somebody wants to build a house um, and they put it up and then they very quickly realise that it's haunted because it's built on some old yeah, burial ground yeah, or it's been yeah. taken over by some poltergeist or something. I mean, would the room of requirement not have been a better shout? Potentially. I think in reality, if you've got someone turning into a fully fledged werewolf, which isn't the case these days, you need him away yeah, from you don't all want these to children. Risk him getting out of the, mm. the room. When the teachers are taking Lupin down there, how do you think they stopped the tree? I think they magic. literally did a Wingardium Leviosa and put it down. The point is, is that. The tree and the entrance are completely safe. It doesn't matter if you're tiny or you're huge. If you know basic mm. magic, you it's not a problem. It. But it, you're not going to get close enough to discover yeah. that. Yeah, unless you get you've what been I mean. told the secret. That's a good point. Exactly. I just exactly. say, I just got to love, I, I, although he is a total maniac in these chapters, I love Snape's, Snape's triumphalism. I yeah. love his dramatic kind of throwing off of the cape uh, in my head it's very alan partridge <laughs> yes yes like that's what i go for uh-huh it kind of is and it isn't funny but the way that he kind of dramatically reveals himself and then he's got yeah. this triumphalism is, is just amazing i know that we are not a movie podcast and we try to st- steer away from the movies as much as possible but i did have a comment i can't really remember this well, like, well yeah, that's this, this, this movie was one of the most boring things ever. Well, this directly relates. You not being able to remember this relates to my comment, which is that we never see Alan Rickman do this Snape. And this is a really important part of Snape's personality. Yeah, He's got this like incredibly pent up rage and, yeah. and he does fly off the handle. He really does. And we never saw Rickman do that. No. And I feel like that's a decision made by the screenwriters and the directors because they aged up a lot of yeah. the adult characters. They did, yeah, they did. It so. wouldn't have been becoming, I think, of an older character to fly off like that. It's a very juvenile thing that I Snape mean, does. Yeah, because of course you've got Gary Oldman playing Sirius. Well, exactly. Like, they're all too old. Like, Sirius is... I mean, Gary Oldman is not my Sirius. And I love Alan Rickman. I think Alan Rickman was an incredible actor and I loved his portrayal of Snape. Sorry, is Alan Rickman dead? Yeah. Yeah. When did that happen? He died the same year that Bowie died and all those others died. When everyone died in 2016, was it? Of what? I don't know. Not his physician. Yeah, but surely... I think it might have been cancer. Oldness. No, it wasn't that old. No, but when you get old, stuff goes wrong and they can't always fix it. Not even if you're Alan Rickman. Sorry, babe. I thought he'd been a bit quiet. I thought maybe he had COVID. No, he's dead. He's he's fully dead. I love that portrayal. Like I think it's so fun. I love it. But I don't yeah. really think you're right. It's not completely accurate or true to the character of Snape in the book. No, and I don't think it would have looked right for the way that they dressed Alan Rickman as Snape for him, I agree. For him to yeah. act like this. It would have not. But, it would have not worked. But also, it wouldn't have because you have you lack so much of the story. In yes. the in the film, yes, you do. You don't. You 
you kind of have to like then tone down those characters because you don't have their reasons for being how they are. It's very true. Sirius talking about his experience in Azkaban and how he escapes and how his transforming into a dog contributes to that really brings it home how literal the transformation is for an animagus. Yeah. You literally become an animal. You're not a human in an animal's body necessarily. Because he talks about how his thoughts and his emotions, they're not as complex, they're not as heightened. The Dementors can't access them because they're on a more yeah. animalistic level. I think it's somewhere in between, isn't because it? Because they, they are themselves. They don't become that animal. Like when Rita Skeeter is a bug, she's still like taking notes. They are themselves and they can have some level of will, but they don't, it's not like they are that person looking out the eyes of an animal. That's how I always pictured it. Well, that's kind of how I always pictured it a little bit, but reading this okay. chapter back again, I got a different sense of it. He talks about, he, yeah, he, he doesn't have the same kind of thoughts and feelings and emotions as an animal because he's an animal. I wonder if it just means that, like, you almost have that choice a bit more, so you're able to switch off some of the emotions. Particularly, don't forget, most people that are anime, an animagus they do it for temporary amounts of time. Like Sirius has done it for, for he's spent the majority of his time mm. as a dog. So mm. I think that's changed the way that it can affect his feelings. Oh, that's, that is a really interesting and a good point. I hadn't fully considered that because when I was reading Sirius's telling of it, I was thinking, oh, it's really interesting. Like, you know, they have their own will still, but it's not like you're wearing an animal suit. Yeah, I see what you mean. I wonder... what I sort of looked at it as. It's it's more like, no, you do have the kind of, you know, the restrictions cognitively that an animal has, though you can still exercise your personal will through that animal's actions. I think so, but I think I think it's almost it would be a different a different case for Sirius and Pettigrew that have used being an animagus in a different way to yeah. I imagine the vast, 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 vast majority of people that are animagi. Yep. Pettigrew being the, the bigger example of that because he is a rat for 13 years or whatever it is. And they say when he transforms back, I like that bit where they say just something of the rat lingers about him. Yeah. And yeah. it's almost like he's become more rat. Yeah, the lines are blurred, yeah. aren't they? And it's a yeah. bit like with Sirius, I suppose a good way of contrasting, you know, backing up your point a bit, Phil, is that Sirius, who spent so much of his time as a dog and seems to choose to spend quite a lot of his time with yeah. a dog as well, when he's allowed out, I think, in book five to the platform, he's being really dog-like. He's like, is he chasing yeah. birds? And, yeah. you know, he's not doing what a person would do if they were Probably just wearing... on a lamppost. <laughs> yeah, if they were just wearing a dog's skin. Whereas yeah. McGonagall, who probably spends not all yeah. that much time as an animagus, when she turns into a cat, she's unconvincing. She, she, she reads a map. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she sits yeah. on the same wall all day, which a cat would never do. Exactly. But I did want to ask you guys for you, was there any kind of loose end or part of it that doesn't stack up or add up because there are so many moments where someone goes oh but what about this and and someone else goes well this like for me it's the, the one thing that I I brought up before now actually which is I still just don't think it fits for me that Lupin wants to kill Patagro 
It doesn't okay. not fit to the point that it annoys me because they're really extreme conditions. But I just don't I just don't see Lupin as someone that could kill unless it was like kill or be killed. It's really interesting. And also I think Lupin's a kind of person who would just would subscribe to the idea of and I think he said it says it himself, a Dementor's kiss being worse than death. Yeah. To me, why at this point would they, it, apart from, you know, the narrative, which I'm happy with, I am happy with, but apart from that narrative, I just don't see, I can get serious, I buy into serious as a very impulsive character, mm. and that makes complete sense given, you know, the prank he tried to play on Snape, he doesn't really feel much remorse on that, and then what's happened since then, like, just to say, Everyone. on how would it be explained if they killed him? Like, they would have his body, and, they, his and body, they would have the yeah. testament testimony of Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and they could use Veritaserum on, uh, on themselves. Yeah. They could voluntarily use Veritaserum. But I get what you mean. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. I just think Lupin has just a very well-integrated sense of vengeance. Like, it's not yeah. so external in the way that it yeah. is with Black or with... Um, you know, other characters through the series, but it's there. I can buy into it. The only other thing, last thing yeah. for me, is not why the Scabbers end up, end up with the Weasleys, but how. Yes, I, I agree with that. Yeah. You know, we, we, yeah. it would have been so easy to give a how. You know, how the hell does he end up with them? Like, yeah, he picks a wizard family. Maybe um, he just hangs around for long enough that he becomes a pet. Yeah, maybe. Oh, oh, 100%. I was thinking more you meant, because of course go to the Weezies, because they love anything. Yeah, but mine is yeah, more like... survive at the Malfoy's, Mine is you? more like, literally, how does he get there? How did he get there? Yeah, no, oh. where was that? That's an interesting one. But let's remember that, like, the Weezies are a well-known family. Um, you, you know, how maybe Molly and family. Arthur were maybe a bit older than them at school, but they may well have been at school at the same time at some point. Right, some owl post. So let's start here. A long time friend of the show, Andrew. He says, is there a loophole where you could make a baby your secret keeper? They can't talk and probably wouldn't remember when they're older. Thoughts? Uh, no. No, because they don't have no. the ability. They don't have magical powers yet. Do you think you can't make a muggle your secret keeper? So do you think part of the charm is that the person needs to be aware? Yes, yeah. I do. They need to be capable of passing it on, yeah. but not yeah. passing yeah. it yeah. on. Otherwise, you're like, oh well, make you, my like be... sex doll yeah. the, my secret yeah. keeper. Got... Is that what you've done? Yeah. <laughs> they, they need to be able to understand the information. Yeah, I couldn't make and... Mona the secret keeper. Fair enough. His follow-up piece of outpost when harry is considering killing sirius at the beginning of this this first chapter how is harry thinking that he's supposed to kill black is he going to use a cheering charm he goes with him like this goes at him physically he's not thinking yeah but then he no, has his no, no 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 there's a very long standoff just before lupin comes yeah. in where harry's and got he the wand he's pointing at harry is his heart Crook shanks is, is on his chest and harry's like do it now do it now Surely if he did, like, some sort of relatio in, like, the heart area, he could cause some serious damage. So you think he was just planning on, like, just various blasts, like, blasting him to death in various ways? 
I never read it as he was like literally pointing it at him, thinking I'm going to kill him right now. Like he can't, he's not capable. Well, but well he, by he, definition, he isn't. He does think this is my chance. He does. Yeah, he wants him. to attack him, but he can't kill him. He well, can't. follow-up question from longtime friend of the show, H to the C to the Bizzle. Oh yeah. She says, yeah, very direct follow-up question. Do we think the voice in Harry's head telling him to kill Black is the Horcrux part of Harry? No. No. He, I think the, it's completely he's understandable. Yeah, he wants to kill Black because he think that, thinks that Black killed his parents. I don't think he's been hunting. He, he hasn't been looking for Black for months to kill him. No. He hasn't been looking for Black to kill him since he found out what happened. But in that moment, he is suddenly face to face with him. This guy is just snapped his best friend's leg yeah yeah i think i think it's it's an opportunistic i reckon if he did it he he'd get off on crime of passion so then we have a piece of our post from kate so kate says long time friend of the show by the way oh yeah i was wondering what kate you meant but now i know no, yeah long time friend long time friend can we discuss how serious and snape are frozen in time stuck in the mindset of and holding on to grudges from their late teens and early Mm -hmm. 20s. Sirius, you can understand more that his life has literally been on hold from the age of about 21. He hasn't interacted with people or developed beyond that point. His anger has just been festering. But on Snape, it's really quite ugly. I always think this. And I think it's always ugly. And I think it's ugly for Sirius. Sirius is a really interesting character. But I don't like him as a character. But I think I just heard Phil give the justification for Snape because Kate's given the justification for Sirius quite clearly there. Phil, did mm. you want to repeat, repeat that? Yeah, it's Lily, definitely. Always. I think his life, yeah, his life stopped when she died. Yeah, and also he's been trapped serving some kind of weird contract, isn't he? Yeah. Like he it's made a quo with Dumbledore. Yeah, he made this deal that he could be basically on Lily's side. I think he's all he's trying to do is repay his debt. He doesn't yeah. I, he doesn't live for pleasure, does he? No. He didn't want to be a teacher at Hogwarts. He's there because he worked he's serving Dumbledore and he's serving Dumbledore to like, yeah, to make merit, basically, to repay yeah. what he thinks is like the worst thing he's ever done and must like beat himself up about it and hate it. So Long-time friend of the show, Tabitha, says, I think it's so out of order that Lupin would think Sirius betrayed James. He should back his bro. I feel like he was closer with Sirius than Peter. But I've just realised that Sirius also thought that Lupin might have been the spy. That's why he didn't tell him about the switch with Pettigrew. Guess everyone was just suspecting everyone, but it makes me a little sad. But also, why trust Pettigrew over all of them? I suppose that's what we sort of highlighted a bit well, Rob highlighted a bit, like, it is a fair why point. trust the weakest one over the strongest? Well, yeah. yeah, you can see why they did it. I know, they thought they silly. were tricking, but it was, it was silly. They were but young. They were young. But, and, you know, Dumbledore certainly didn't approve it, did he? What that really made me think was it makes you realise how crazy that time was. And how da- like how dangerous it was, and how everyone was full of suspicion, because everyone's life was life, lives were on the line, and they knew there was a spy somewhere, and so it must have been yeah. like you know people couldn't really trust anyone as much as you wanted to. I think it is. I definitely think they knew there was a spy that was close to the Potters. 
they knew that Voldemort would assume that Sirius would be the secret keeper, which is why they kind of wanted it not to be serious. Yeah. But I think if you're to look at it, if you're to take a step back, I think in looking at it from like um from a step back, I think they would have seen Lupin as the most vulnerable. Yeah. Because Lupin has spent his life as an outsider mm. and under Voldemort, the werewolves have more status. So yeah. I think it was more of a just that underlying prejudice just coming through to us. It seems silly because his strength of character is so much stronger and clearer than Pettigrew's because we've got hindsight. But in the time itself, from an outsider's point of view, Lupin is the is going to be the weakest. He's the one that Voldemort could go to with the most ammunition to say, you're an outsider there. You don't fit. You're not wanted there either. Do you know what I mean? So we also had a voice message oh, outpost this week. We're going to bring up grammar point. There's a grammar point. Well, listen to it. Incoming outpost. I have a question about the name Sirius and how you talk about him when things belong to him because Stephen Fry says Sirius even when there's an apostrophe S. So Stephen Fry says Harry went into Sirius' room and I can't get over it. Every time I hear it, I'm going... I know it sounds ridiculous, but I prefer to say Harry went into Sirius's room, even though Sirius's oh god, Sirius's room is mouthful. I want to know where uh, you guys sit on this. Is is it Sirius' room or is it Sirius's room? What would you say if something belonged to James? I would say James's. I would say Sirius's. I would say James's. I would say Sirius's and James's. Yeah, but to be honest with you. I don't care what the actual answer yeah. is. It's Sirius's room. I, I agree. But given that Stephen Fry is, I believe, much more educated than, than all of us, no. though that could just be good PR, he yeah. is probably saying it in the way that it should actually be said in the English language. Muggle mail. Um, oh. On a scale of one to absolutely terrifying, had to turn the bedroom light on. Oh. How scared was Rob in the shrieking shack? He wasn't scared. He was scared. Oh, when it's all kicking off and they hear a noise and then it's like just before Snape appears. I found that and still find that pretty tense and scary. And I think it's even more so, obviously, the first time you read it when you don't know whether Sirius or Lupin are goodies or baddies. Um, so, yeah, how scared were you, Rob? Okay, well, thank think, you very yeah. much for your muggle mail, Lucy. Unfortunately, um, we've only found it in the bottom of the in, in the bottom of the post bag. Yeah. now so feel free to send in a howler to rob next week because yeah. there's no excuse for him not being scared yeah he wasn't scared he was, he just... was drunk and forgot to read the end he was reading it really quickly he wasn't like really processing much he got drunk he felt miserable he read it quickly he gave up before the end i don't think he gave up before the end <laughs> i think he just didn't realize somehow i've got some <laughs> I've got <laughs> some real fan outposts. Real fan outposts, bring it on. So I've got some from Katie. Okay, hi again, Katie. Hi, Katie. It's less of a deep dive question and more of a comment, but I have a feeling, despite him clearly liking this book, that he will pick holes in the section of revelations in the Shrieking Shack because Sirius doesn't just say immediately, it wasn't me, the rat is Peter Pettigrew. Like she gra- <laughs> drags the tension out a lot there. And as much as I love that, 
I think he will definitely comment. <laughs> I realise I, I probably should have read that at the beginning. Yeah, you're bang on. Okay, that's Katie. Now I've got outposts from real fan Laura. Hi, Laura. No way. Um, Hi, Laura. I'm just gonna, this is like mind blowing. Well, no, just a bit like a lot for your brain to take on. Do you guys think the bit of Voldemort's soul in Harry may be the part, maybe part of the reason the Dementors are so attracted to him? Either just because double the solely deliciousness, or because they can sense <laughs> someone evil. Would Dementors be able to remove the Horcrux from Harry if they performed the kiss? There's lots in there. Whoosh. My opinion is, is that they don't go more for Harry than for anyone else. I, I think there would be an initial magneticness to Harry when he's amongst other people because his response to the Dementors gives them a lot of what they want because, like Lupin said, the worst time in Harry's life is generally worse than the people he's around and he's not able to perform a Patronus. I don't think there's anything more to it than that. I don't think they are more attracted to Harry. But that's to do with his experiences and his trauma. Um, yeah, and that soul. changes as no, no. I like, I like the extra solely deliciousness of it. Though. Yeah, that idea is. A, oh yeah, is a good sure. idea. The idea of a kiss is interesting. Like, would they suck out Voldemort's soul or just Harry's or both? Yeah, well, yeah. Like, What's would left that is nothing anyway. I think they take but, it all. Uh, me too. In the event that like Harry was the last Horcrux. And would they kissed, it? and they kissed him. Mm. Would that destroy it? And yeah. then you would then be able to kill Voldemort. Yeah, I think you probably would. That's interesting. Yeah, got um, outpost from Michael Sheen. Oh, Sheen. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm going to save the time turners because that's not till next week. Basically, his question last week was about how people die if you've been soul sucked. If you've been yeah kissed by a Dementor. Yeah. So, if it takes as little as a year to die of depression, brackets, Dementor's kiss, what's better? Suicidal thoughts until you starve to death or 30 years in Azkaban? Jesus, what? I'm sorry, but Sheen is so... Why is he going so heavy? He then said, probably not a topic for the podcast, to be honest. <laughs> well, <laughs> well... No, let's say I that suppose... for like a banging night out. Well, I, yeah. well, I suppose my answer would be probably the term in Azkaban because if you get through it you can come out and you know it might take a lot of chocolate and time but supposedly you could get yourself back to your normal your normal self. Do you think Millis would wait for you? 30 years? 30 years? No. Bloody hell I better not do anything properly bad. 30 years? Well I just think after a certain amount of time. How old are you now? We know they get visits. 34. We, We know they get visits. Yeah, but she doesn't want to go down to Azkaban to visit you. You would be in your 60s. I think surely wedding vows would expire. Guys, this wasn't the question. This wasn't the question. The question was, what's worse, 30 years in Azkaban or a year of living like a a miserable shell and then basically dying of malnutrition? But do you have feelings like... Well, I think on the on the assumption that it only takes you a year to die, potentially take the Dementor's kiss, but that's a big assumption. It might take you 15. It's never really properly explored, and we only really scratch the surface with it. I think I'd lose my sense of self in that kind of environment so quickly. I'm not made for Azkaban, guys. But above all, I would take the 
I'd take the term and, you know, try and get out on good behaviour. You know what I mean? What if I came in after 10 years to visit you and I said, oh, you knew like the last few times when you've been expecting Millers and she says she's washing her hair. Yeah. She's she's just moved on. At, at that point, like, what would you what would you do? I'd say that's fine. Like, no, it's fine, is it? Yeah, she's her own woman. Like, you two have yeah, problems. But you just wouldn't even be bothered. No, I'd, I'd be a bit bothered, but <laughs> I'd be a bit bothered. But also, Phil, you've got to remember that, like, I'm surrounded by dementors. Like, my emotional peaks and troughs are like, you know, they're they're not going to be that extreme. But but still, you're saying, oh, all right. <laughs> well, you know, it is what it is. We have a good time in here. Me and the easy come, easy go. Amos. <laughs> a few more bits of our post. Long-time friend of the show, H to the C to the Bizzle. These are, these are non-chapter-related non bits of our post now. Because it's moved the on. third time she's come up. So I just listened to the last two chapters. That's the first time I've heard Stephen Fry read the Quidditch final chapter. And oh my days, I legit cried. I vividly remember the first time reading the last two pages. And I reread it like three times as I just had such a great mental image in my head of it. And Harry is so happy. Aww, there you go. She lovely. does say, one question I have is, does Phil take the same approach to apple crumble as apple pie? If so, that is also a travesty. What, as in crumbles better than pie? No, as in you just eat the apple. Do you know what? Right, I'll be honest with you. It depends on what's going on. So if you were to ask me what's better, apple crumble, apple pie, apple crumble is the best dessert that's ever existed it's better than anything do you else. eat the crumble or do you just eat the apple james got me like a little apple crumble on saturday night and i did eat the whole thing because i need the extra energy at the moment but normally would you leave the crumble i would certainly leave i'd say a third of the crumble because i like the tartness and, that's the, and that to you is the is the greatest dessert ever and you leave a third of it yeah but a third of just the pure sugar because so you leave a sixth of it if i make a creme ball, it has less crumble topping than a standard crumble i don't think hot cross bun would touch your apple crumble no do wizards have alarm clocks that's our next question <laughs> right right but my point is is right. that like you tell me a dessert that's better Phil, i've got to edit this <laughs> right, we're not talking about alarm clocks next why aren't we talking about alarm clocks? Yes. Yes, they do. They <laughs> yeah, I'm going with yeah. Yeah, I reckon they do. I reckon they shout at you when like the <laughs> Okay, so we're going to finish the outpost where we started the Muggle Mail with long time friend of the show, Rosie King. Right. She said, do you think Hermione slapping Malfoy and getting away with it was the opening of the floodgates for serious rule breaking that she goes on to do through the series? No, I don't. She did it in, in book one. She did it with a polyjuice potion mm -hmm, and everything true. in book two. I just think, like I said, I think last week, that her beliefs and principles are very strong. And so yeah. it doesn't really matter to her whether they line up with the school rules or whatever rules they are. Yeah, She still follows them very strongly. It's another level, yeah. though, isn't it, actually smashing? Something. I think that it is a turning point in this book. I think what we see at that moment is we just see Hermione basically go in, fuck this. And she mm. almost just, after that, lets a lot go that she was carrying. That moment is a release, and it allows her to start thinking outside the box again. She also said, had you been Neville, would you have owned up to writing down slash losing the passwords? I think I would, but I don't really know why. Because I, 
I think the best thing to do is just be like, mm, prove it. Yeah, I don't think I'd own up to it, to be honest. He didn't own up to losing them. He owned up to writing them down. But would you have owned up to writing them down, Millers, knowing that the only way it's getting traced back is if, like, Ron and Ron and that dob you in? I don't know. What's the punishment he's given? He's oh, not allowed to go talk he's to me. He's ashamed, isn't he? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's not allowed to go But also, it is the shame. Like, he's asked that on the spot in front of, like, basically the whole Wiffendor common room. So it's like, yeah, although basically it's that thing where like, oh, you don't want to admit it, you want to just stay quiet. But then, you know, are they going to find out like... Yeah. She also said, do you think his punishment was fair? Um, I think it probably was. And last question, have you ever heard a commentary as biased as that of Lee Jordan? Do you (laughs) think he should have been stopped or were the Slytherins scheming slash foul play a reasonable justification? No yeah. way, it's yeah. totally justified. Yeah. And also, yeah, right. that's what I'm it's saying. Hilarious. Justified, it's hilarious. It's the best commentary so far. Thank you for listening to the Harry Potter Virgin. Our mm-hmm. theme tune was an original composition by Patrick Steed. It's goodbye from Millers. Goodbye. Goodbye from Phil. Albus Percival Wilfred Brian Dumbledore. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>